smells Jesus-y. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. We are the aroma of Christ. God has spoken in many ways. Welcome to Smells Jesus-y, a podcast from Three Crosses Church. Today we're continuing our series, Following and Sharing the Way of Jesus. In this episode, Matt Waldron is speaking to us from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 23. Fishing for people. Here's Matt. What would Jesus eat? Well, uh, we're not going to try and answer that today, which may hopefully be a relief to everyone. There might be a few of you who are disappointed. Uh, There is a a popular book on that subject, which I can point you to if you're too disappointed, though I'm not sure how useful the book is. Because uh, when we talk about following Jesus, we're not talking about becoming kind of mindless clones of the minute details of his life. I have a friend who... Uh, when he became a Christian, he was sort of in the process of becoming a Christian, he was convinced it was true, and the kind of final stumbling block, the thing he was worried about, uh, about becoming a Christian, was having to wear sandals. Thankfully, someone explained to him that despite the fact that Jesus wore sandals and the friend who had shared the gospel with him had weird fashion ideas, you don't need to follow Jesus in that way. Uh, as well as the trivia not being things we need to imitate about Jesus, things about his culture. Uh, Also, there's the fact that he's unique. It's not just that he's a unique human being, because every human being is unique, but he's unique because he's God the Son become a human being. And so uh, he came and he died for the sins of the world and was raised to life again as the first fruits of the resurrection. And so although, as his followers Uh, There might be a situation where someone gets so angry at us for following Jesus that it might result in our death. If we're trusting in him, we certainly will be raised with him to live forever. Uh, Those things all come from participating in what he's already done. Uh, They're not things that we kind of do separately in imitation of him. So I think uh, most people reading the Bible get that there's kind of following Jesus is somewhere between those two extremes. And so today we're going to be thinking, uh, as we come to the end of our series, we've been working through Matthew chapters 10 to 13. Uh, This week and next week we'll be rounding up, looking at Matthew chapter 13. This is going to pull things together really well. Uh, Today we're going to pull together sharing the way of Jesus with other people, and next week we'll pull together following the way of Jesus ourselves. So uh, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus teaches in a bunch of parables. So how do we know to what extent we should be imitating that? Well, let me just point you to a couple of things that I think encourage a degree of imitation of his method of sharing his message. Uh, down in uh, verse 34, we didn't, we didn't read this bit, but it's worth seeing in the context. Verses 34 and 35, Matthew gives us this little summary of what's going on. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And so that seems to say, Matthew seems to be saying, this was Jesus' normal way of operating. When he was out teaching publicly, he spoke in parables. And as we're going to see uh, as the, uh, through the reading... Uh, then his disciples would come and he would give them more detailed teaching. So that's the first thing. Matthew describes it as Jesus' normal way of operating. Uh, The other thing is, 
I'm going to suggest as we go through this passage that the principles Jesus gives for why he's doing it this way, those principles are general principles that are going to apply uh, to us. So uh, I'm going to show you, but you need to think about it for yourself and see if uh, you think it's convincing. It's very popular to say, well, Jesus did this, therefore we should do it. But you've got to stop and think, did Jesus do that so that we would imitate that? Or was that just because of something to do with him, uh, either as a unique individual human being, which we all are, or uniquely God the Son? So let's jump in and I'm going to suggest that there's three principles here that we can imitate in sharing the message of Jesus, inviting curiosity, answering directly and sharing indiscriminately. So firstly, uh, uh, hopefully you've noticed that there's a story at the start of this Bible reading, at the start of Matthew 13. I'm just going to read it again really quickly, but it's a pretty simple story. Uh, Verse 3, he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? So he's going around publicly speaking. People are coming to hear him and he's telling these stories, like this story. A farmer went out, he spread the seed around, you know, by hand, that's what you did in those days. And depending on exactly where the seed fell, you got different results in how the plant grew and whether it produced a fruit, a crop. And so his disciples come and say, "Uh, what are you doing? And notice Jesus does not say, oh, you know, it was just what hit me in the moment. I was just riffing. I was filling in time between my... No, no, no. He has got a a clear answer about why this is his decided strategy. Look at verse 11. He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Now, that seems a little harsh to start with. Because I'm telling you the whole story, I'm not telling them the whole story. That's what he's saying. Verse 12, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now that's a little bit enigmatic, but he's answering a question about why he's speaking in parables, why he's giving the public part of the story, and his disciples, the whole story. Because whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. So the disciples are those who have, and so they get more. And the people who are you know, just hearing the parables are those who do not have, and so even what they have is taken away from them. So the key question is, what's the difference between the disciples and the general public? Well, in a nutshell, the disciples have decided to be disciples. That's the difference. Uh, You see very clearly in the Sermon on the Mount, back in Matthew chapters 5 to 7, that Jesus is with a whole crowd and he calls his disciples to him and he, he teaches the Sermon on the Mount. And he doesn't take them away and say, don't tell anyone this. He doesn't say, yo, you guys haven't made enough of a commitment, you can't listen. It's open if anybody wants to walk in, if anybody wants to hang around. 
If anybody wants to follow Jesus and say, can you explain that to me? Well, then he does. Uh, Those who have the beginnings of faith, I think is the way Jesus would probably say it. Uh, Those who are interested in finding out what Jesus means by this parable. Those who have some kind of positive response to Jesus and his teaching, they come and ask him and he explains. Those who are exposed to Jesus' teaching and they just don't care or they just go, well, that was killing a bit of time or I don't understand why this guy's teaching is so popular and they walk away. Well, even what they had the uh, substance of Jesus' teaching, the beginnings of Jesus' teaching, is just going to fall out of their heads and they're going to forget about it. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have, will be taken from them. So why is Jesus using that strategy to share his message with people? Well, it seems uh, fairly obvious that once the general population understands his actual message, they're not going to, en masse, respond to it positively. Verse 13, This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They can hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Uh, There are some people who are are not going to believe in Jesus. In fact, the majority and, in fact, the leaders, and the result is going to be Jesus is going to be executed. Now, that is God's plan, but not for it to happen straight away. First, Jesus needs to recruit those who will believe in him and teach them so that they can spread the message when he's taken up to heaven at God's right hand. So uh, he seems, this seems to be his kind of promotion strategy, Right? He uh, teaches in parables so that people can get the kind of heart of the message in a way that people who are open will respond positively and come and say, can I understand more about that? Can you explain more about that? That's exactly what the disciples do. They come and say, why do you teach like that? And later in the chapter, they come and ask him, what does that parable mean? Jesus teaches in parables to invite curiosity about himself. I think this is a message that I certainly need to hear. I suspect in our kind of church, uh, we need to be encouraged about this. Uh, Jesus is uh, giving the basics of his message in a way that's attractive to the general population. So that the people who are going to respond positively can. Of course, you can share the message more fully publicly. And what that will mean is the majority of the population will get in the way of the people who want to respond positively. So for the sake of the people who want to respond positively, it's worth sharing this basic attractive message uh, as widely as possible. Uh, I think we, uh, in our our church, we're rightly concerned about uh, people, uh, generally genuine Christians who are just immature in their faith, truncating the gospel to make it more attractive. Right? We're, we're rightly concerned about that. When we hear people saying, uh, essentially, God is like a cosmic vending machine, you put your prayers in and you get 
whatever you like, we all cringe and go, that's not the gospel. <laughs> that's not the message of Jesus. People have kind of cut some things out to try and make it sound better. But we mustn't react against that and go to the other extreme and think that we mustn't share the gospel publicly in a way that's attractive. Right? We want to share the gospel publicly in a simple way that invites people's curiosity. Uh, it's a bit like a beautiful woman walking down the street. If she's wearing a you know, conservative but uh, flattering dress, she looks, wow, attractive. You have the same beautiful woman walking down the street naked. She looks, whoa, where did she escape from? Right? It's, it's too much with no context. We don't want to do that with the message of Jesus. We need to give people some information about why this is good, honest information. That analogy may work better for some people than others. That's fine. <laughs> we want to give people enough information, enough basic information that they can see the positiveness of. True, not, not, uh, not misrepresenting things, but true attractive information so that people can see why it's of interest to them. And then, when people express interest, Jesus, you know, when they come and ask, when the disciples come and ask questions, Jesus gives them direct answers. He doesn't beat around the bush. Uh, so, so we've just been reading this passage where the disciples come to him and ask, why do you speak in parables? I don't think you can describe this as pulling his punches. Right? Because the knowledge of the secrets of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. That's why I'm speaking in parables, so that you know the truth and they don't. That's... That's not mincing his words. And then he quotes uh, two uh, prophecies from the Old Testament that are about the fact that some people's hearts are too hard and they will not listen and they will not be saved. Jesus is not cutting out the parts of the gospel that are confronting or unpopular or might offend people. There's no beating around the bush. Once people are interested, right? Inviting, attractively, then answering directly. Uh, I don't know if you watch any uh, television talent shows. It seems to me on the kind of the t sort of TV singing competitions, there are basically three kinds of contestants. There are the people who can really sing, and they generally know they can really sing. There are the people who cannot hold a tune to save their lives, and they know they can't hold a tune to save their lives. And then there are the people who are kind of okay and think they're really good, and it's really sad. Right? They, they go on, they think they're really good, and they're not terrible, but they're really not that good. And they go on, they're full of kind of hope and enthusiasm and have their dreams crushed. It's just heartbreaking. And I think to myself, are they the kind of person who has a singing teacher who's not telling them the truth so they keep coming for singing lessons? Do you know what I mean? Like they need somebody to tell them the truth. Singing is great fun. You can sing and sing with your friends and maybe on a local stages there might be contexts where people want to listen to you sing. Uh, you are not going to be getting rich singing. Like somebody needs to have that conversation with those people uh, gently before it is had with them harshly. Right? Telling the truth directly, frankly, honestly, without sugarcoating it. We all need that on the big important things that we stake our lives on. And Jesus is telling us the only thing that is safe to stake your life on is him. So we mustn't sugarcoat that. We mustn't, you know, 
take out the parts that people don't like. Right? You invite people to be curious, and then when they express interest, you've got to answer directly. Tell them how it really is. Finally, notice that she, Jesus shares with people indiscriminately. He just does this with everybody. Uh, pick it up down in verse 17. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. He's not going to hold back. He's going to give it to them straight. So then listen to what the parable means. Listen, verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. There's lots, this, this is a very challenging parable. And there's lots we could say, but let me just point out two things really quickly. Uh, the first one is, uh, Jesus doesn't say there's a sower, and as he goes to sow his seed, he's very careful to make sure he gets it on the good soil. He doesn't put any on the path. He looks out for weeds and avoids those patches. Like, that's not the point of the story. It's the opposite. He just goes and throws the seed. It's indiscriminate. He just gets it out there as much as possible, as spread as widely as possible. He just goes for it. And he says that is how he shares the word of God indiscriminately. The second thing to notice is at least three of these responses to the word of God look the same initially. So the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. How long does it take to choke the word? It doesn't say. It could be quick, it could be short, but presumably the plant's got to grow a little bit before it gets choked. And then the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. So all of these look a bit the same to start with. Potentially, at least. Someone hears it and says this is a good thing. And then perhaps they have no root or they get choked or they're fruitful. So there's a, ne there's a necessity to be indiscriminate in sharing the way of Jesus, uh, both with people who don't know the way of Jesus. You just can't tell how people are going to respond. And so we need to keep sharing it with people and also with people who have responded to the way of Jesus, all of us. We need to keep sharing the word of Jesus with each other to keep us following Jesus and digging deep roots into the soil of his word and fending off the choking of the world to bear fruit. Jesus is inviting curiosity, answering directly and sharing indiscriminately. So it seems to me those are, those are general principles because the reasoning 
It always applies. When he comes and says, you know, there are going to be people who just aren't going to listen, who are going to harden their hearts, and you don't want those people to get in the way of the people who will respond, that's, that's life in a fallen world. As far as I can see, that doesn't change. So we need to invite curiosity. Uh, people need to actually know the truth without sugarcoating it so we can actually follow Jesus. Follow Jesus deeply and fending off the weeds and producing fruit. That's always the case. So we need to answer directly. And if Jesus couldn't tell how people were going to respond, bearing in mind, as God, he could tell if he wanted to, right? But humanly, in his human nature... This is not something he could tell, right? He knew Judas was going to betray him, right? Because as God, he knows that, and humanly, he came to know that. But humanly, he doesn't know, as he's preaching to these crowds, who's going to turn and trust him and who's going to not, right? So if Jesus, who as God knows that answer, humanly doesn't know that answer, I'm pretty sure this applies to us as well. We can't tell. So I think they're good principles that we should be imitating from Jesus, inviting curiosity, uh, answering directly and sharing indiscriminately. Let me just uh, suggest we think a bit about the inviting curiosity. I reckon that's the bit. That's certainly the bit I need the most to grow in. I suspect that's I'm not, I'm not the only one. How do we do that? Well, let me suggest uh, three things about uh, following Jesus and growing in following Jesus that uh, you can share with other people that are likely to make them at least a little bit curious. Uh, firstly, as you're... Well, I'll just tell you all three. As we're following Jesus, we're reading the Bible, uh, applying it to ourselves, and also sharing with each other, sharing with other Christians. So all those three things can be uh, stories you can share with other people. Uh, so we can share with other people what we're reading in the Bible and what we're making of it. So, you know, you can say to someone... Uh, you know, how are you today? And you can say, I'm feeling really encouraged because my Bible reading this morning was about uh, the Jews not being allowed to eat prawns. Anybody who doesn't think that's interesting, they might not want to talk to you about it, but I reckon it's not because they don't think it's interesting. Right? I, you don't, have, don't spend the next year just reading that passage in Leviticus every day, right? Just keep on your normal Bible reading, Right? Uh, but but pe people find it bizarre that Christians find the Bible inspiring. Most people find that counterintuitive. So just saying, I've been you know, feeling encouraged, challenged, inspired, excited, content, uh, at peace in my... You know, whatever, whatever, whatever is actually true uh, because of you know, this thing I've been reading in the Bible, uh, that is really interesting. Uh, secondly, you can share uh, how you're growing as a person in your relationship with God through Jesus. I uh, caught up with an old friend of Cheryl's family recently, and he, he was saying there was a, uh, an item in the news, uh, in his local newspaper, I think it was a state newspaper anyway, about a, a uh, kind of minor celebrity, I think they were a sports person, and the, the headline was that they had found peace on the front page of the newspaper. Now, it was nothing to do with Jesus, so it's not going to be lasting peace, but he pointed out, 
Finding peace is headline news. Find, a person finding peace is headline news. If you know Jesus, you've found peace. That is headline news. And the, true is probably, the, the same is probably true for all the fruits of the Spirit. Whatever God is doing in your life, that's going to be interesting. And so it might be a, a situation where uh, someone is looking for peace or acceptance or comfort or contentment or a way of dealing with their stress or whatever it is. They would be great opportunities to say, well, you know, whatever is true of you. I, I struggle with that as well. The way I try and deal with that, because I'm a Christian, is trusting God about this or, or whatever it is. Or it might be, you know, I used to be really worried about that too. But, you know, two years ago, this is how God changed my mind. You know, whatever is true for you, a story about how God is at work in your life is going to be of interest to lots of people. Thirdly, uh, we're all trying to stir each other up and encourage each other and learn from other Christians about following the way of Jesus. Uh, You've got to be careful about sharing, you know, private things about other people. But, you know, things that people are kind of sharing with everyone, sort of publicly, you sort of know, well, they're happy for that to be public. The most obvious example of this is Christian autobiography. Right? When someone writes a book about their life and publishes it, you know, whatever's in there, they're cool with that being shared. And so, you know, you can read an inspiring autobiography and share how that's inspiring you. Have you heard of Hudson Taylor? Have you heard of you know, some of these names that we just throw around that are very well known in Christian circles, very well known in the country where they had a big impact, are kind of disappearing from Australian culture, possibly because you know, we're not very big on history in general in Australia just right now. Uh, you know, so you can, bring out, you can bring out these stories that are kind of almost Sunday school stories for some of us who have grown up in church, and people will never have heard of them. And uh, there are plenty of those guys and ladies who are fascinating and inspiring. So there you go. There's my rough and ready three suggestions for ways to kind of naturally invite curiosity, curiosity about Jesus. Uh, share something uh, from the Bible that's uh, got you, you interested uh, share something that God has been doing in your life. That will be interesting to most people. Or share something from someone else's life that encourages or inspires or challenges you. Next week, last week of Matthew 10 to 13, uh, it's going to be a big week uh, because of everything else happening in uh, church, and that's going to be exciting. Uh, so if you have any questions from the last uh, few weeks, it would be great uh, if you could ask me them before next week. So we're not going to have time for like a question time, which sometimes is good to do, uh, but I'm hoping we're going to do an online question time uh, with the podcast, which we've been you know, putting out these uh, talks. And so if you send me a question electronically, 
then uh, we'll put those together and try and answer those uh, online for people who want to do that. Uh, Jesus did things this way, inviting curiosity, answering directly, sharing indiscriminately to get the word out to as many people as possible. Because he knows uh, the message about him, many prophets and righteous people longed to see. Who Jesus is and what he's done is what the world has been looking forward to. Uh, we've got to share that with everyone we can. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please help us to be as excited about the message of Jesus as he evidently is. Uh, help us to uh, never grow tired of thinking about Jesus and what he's done for us. And so help us uh, to always be looking for ways to share it with other people. Uh, Father, please help us uh, not to think we have to be so creative to do something new and help us not to be so lazy that we don't try and share the fact that Jesus is actually really interesting. And uh, most of all, Father, please help us uh, not to prejudge people, but just to uh, share the way of Jesus with everyone as you give us opportunities. We pray in his name. Amen.